This is Empowered Human Academy. Welcome home. This is about love. This is about light. This is about the idea that you, you contain everything you will ever need. And this life of yours, this is where you expand, you grow, and you remember who you are. I'm Abe. I'm Isaac. In Empowered Human Academy, we join with humans of all kinds to feel the inspiration that can only come from empowered living. The stories you hear today are unique, but the energy? The energy you hear today is yours, too. So, with hearts wide open, let's begin. Thank you for being here. Hey crew, this episode is Pay What Feels Good. Rather than pulling in sponsors and paid advertisements, we are excited to try something different. I'll talk more about this at the very end of this episode, or you can read more at empoweredhumanacademy.com. Hello, Empowered Humans. Welcome back. We are delighted that you are here. Whether you're cooking something delicious in the kitchen, or on a long drive to clear your mind, or on a run around the neighborhood, we are honored that you've chosen to share this time with us. Today we're in conversation with chiropractic physician Dr. Sarah Siddiqui. We first met Dr. Sarah when we lived in Chicago where we bonded over monthly wine nights and heart talks. With her expertise as a chiropractor, Dr. Sarah possesses a unique lens and ability to identify how our bodies carry tension and trauma that's often left unspoken. In creating holistic health plans for her patients, Dr. Sarah has a front row seat to the truth that we have to deeply want to change before anything new can happen. In this episode, we discuss how traumas, thoughts, and toxins impact our bodies, how knowing your why helps you keep aligned with your purpose, and why a progress model for health is more empowering than striving for perfection. Dr. Sarah's insights feel especially timely right now, as we've all been facing more stress this year on a collective level. We hope this conversation might be a flashlight to help you see your relationship with your own body more clearly. We learned so much from Dr. Sarah, and we're thrilled to share her brilliance with you. So let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Hope you are doing well. Today, we're going to be chatting with our dear friend, Dr. Sarah Siddiqui. And we met Dr. Sarah at actually a wine club uh, in Chicago. Our friends would get together every week or once once a month, and uh, we would just stay up late in the night talking about life and you know, the city of Chicago and traveling. And um, we got to know Sarah on a really personal level. We actually did like a wine night sleepover at her place one day. Um, (laughs) I've I've just always really appreciated um, Sarah's open-hearted personality. Mm -hmm. Um, She's brilliant, super smart. Um, We met, she came uh, to the group by way of our friend who um, she's actually a doctor of chiropractic. Chiropractic? Yeah. Doctor, and um, she's just been a, a really big blessing in our life. So without further ado, I'll have Isaac ask the first question. So it's common in these conversations to talk about like title and professional history and what do you do and all that jazz, but everyone self-identifies in a way that is a little bit different than that. Maybe you do identify super hard with your work, maybe you don't. What I want to find out first is how do you think about who you are? How do you self-identify? What words do you choose for yourself? Yeah, so that's a great question. I feel like probably up until earlier this year, maybe pre-COVID, I often caught myself identifying myself by my nature of work. And so, but I often found that it was very limited because not a lot of people know how comprehensive chiropractic can be. And so it just really made me realize that 
the way that I like to describe myself as more of like a healthy lifestyle cheerleader. That's usually the main focus, whether patients are seeking chiropractic care or not, whether it's friends, family, my purpose is to either be a resource or be a support person. Maybe you have all the resources and you just need accountability, but I like to really live by a healthy lifestyle. Awesome. Why? Why do you care about that? Oh, deep question. It stems actually from my parents. So being in my mid thirties, my parents are in their early sixties right now and they did not take preventative health measures or like they were just more like immigrants from Pakistan and their whole focus was trying to create a life for us and put their health on the back burner. Mm. And as they did that, they developed, you know, chronic illnesses. So diabetes came along because of weight gain due to lack of exercise and that diabetes led to chronic kidney failure. So basically the health issues that my parents are dealing with today could have been, I think, in a way managed better or prevented to a lesser degree if they had taken the time for themselves, that self-care that they put kind of as a second thought because they were providing for their family. And I think that that's oftentimes something that gets lost is, oh, I'm being selfish if I take time out for myself or the kids come first, I'll do this later. And like, there's just a limit to later before it just piles up. And Mm -hmm. so I think when it comes to living that healthy lifestyle, to me, it means making sure that I'm good till a hundred. Like I want to be fun and I want to be at wine clubs when I'm 99. Like it's just kind of the vibe that I want to give out is for myself. It's just to live healthy and be there for friends, family, kids, everybody. Yeah. It feels like there's a natural connection then between you doing that for yourself and then helping other people with that. Totally. You always have that professional alignment or is that something you sought out? I would say I did So I was probably a junior year in college when that kind of passion developed because that's when mom was going through the peak of her ailments. And so that connection was definitely deepened there. Mm -hmm. Was that a norm in your outside of your nuclear family to see that stress and that those chronic illnesses be a part of the lifestyle? Yeah, definitely. It was like normal, take a pill for it. Or we having so many family members that were doctors themselves it wasn't really thought of to go get a holistic approach. It was just something that didn't come up because nobody really knew about it. And so I think, yes, to answer that question, I would say it was just the norm then and we saw it outside of our nuclear family too. Sure. That's super interesting. So you came into this work surrounded by other medical practitioners who had different ways of doing their own work? Yeah. What was that like? Really inspiring as a kid, like just knowing... We would see like our aunts and uncles and just how passionate they were about their work. So I knew that I always wanted to be in the health realm of care of some sort. And so that being the case, them being just so passionate of helping others Hmm. was always inspirational. And so I think as we got older and I chose the path I chose of non-traditional medicine, conversations got a little uncomfortable, got kind Hmm. of especially with my aunt, my dad just didn't really quite wrap their heads around it at that time. And now it's really funny. My dad's always like, when, when can I come see you? When, you know, he's like on top of his own care now, but it's, it's very interesting to see that kind of come into its own. I mean, even when I graduated chiropractic school, the conversation at that time was what is chiropractic? Was it more than just the back? And now 
here we are 2020, the conversation is more like, who is your chiropractor? So it's really exciting to be a part of this field as it's grown and became more accessible. Yeah. How did you act or how did you like persevere through some of the resistance that you got from your family or maybe people who were like, oh, chiropractic is X if they didn't know about it? How did you like show up in confidence or what did that look like for you? Yeah. Oh my God. That's a great question because initially it would, it would get me so like lit up on the inside that I wouldn't be able to articulate it because it's like, you want to explain so much, but the best way that I find even whether it's family or even if it's new patients coming in, it's really just tying it back to the physiology and like being able to communicate that baseline connection between your nervous system and an ailment that you have makes that understanding so much easier. And it speaks for itself when you understand that baseline level. Mm -hmm. So what do you see are the kind of the common traits in some of your clients or in your experience as a chiropractor that are not helping people or like what are the lifestyles that they're living that aren't helping them, if that makes sense? Yeah, I guess now just given the status of everyone being in quarantine or work from home, the last six months, a snapshot of what that's been looking like has been working without boundaries. So a lot of patients are working from home. There's no concept of like, it's five o'clock, I need to go home. Work can be before dinner, after dinner, and like just spilling, if you will, into the weekends and into other, bleeding into other parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. So we've been seeing a lot of like postural strain, whether it's your upper back or a rib that goes out, which has been really interesting because people will be like, oh my God, do, do I have COVID? I got tested and then my doctor referred me here. From musculoskeletal issues. So it's very interesting seeing the last six months, our patient base has been so focused on getting a task done with work from home or exercise from home even. Everyone's doing that whole routine. And so the injuries that we're seeing are more musculoskeletal based, but I guess like that characteristics, I would say we probably are seeing 50% of, I don't know how to manage my time or make time myself. I know these stretches I need to do, but I don't do them. And then the other 50% is I'm just trying to do it all and over stressing myself in that way, like working out five times a week without proper form, without taking a recovery day, without supplementing, you're seeing injuries in that way. So I guess both of those. Totally. Well, and I've seen my experience on my own health journey. I didn't know that I could overwork out, that I needed rest days. This is not common knowledge. Everyone's just like, you should work out, work out, work out. But no one talks about the recovery. No one talks about lower workout days, like a walk or stretching, like as just as vital as important and important as like the more intense days. What you yeah. mentioned a little bit about, I know I need to do the stretches, but I just don't do it. Why, in your opinion, why don't people do them? I've been there too. So I can speak to my yeah. experience, but in your experience working with different types of clients, like why don't people take care of themselves in that way? It seems to be, I would say, a correlation with the value. Maybe not, they don't value, they've done it a couple times and maybe haven't seen like, oh, it didn't really benefit me here. Um, and so I guess the value in doing it is probably the reason that most people don't. And so the conversation becomes when I'm trying to help patients recover, you know, I don't do it because I'm working or I didn't do it because I had X, Y, and Z. I was on calls till eight o'clock. Well, that's actually the reason why you should do it. Like the reason not to is oftentimes the reason why you need to. Totally. Yeah. I'm reminded of a quote that I heard. Someone's like, yeah, I usually meditate 
half an hour every day, but I know I'm gonna have a super stressful, really long day today. So I'm gonna take two hours this morning instead. I'm, yeah. I'm mess, mess, mess up the quote a little bit, but that's the idea. Your focus is holistic, right? Not to put words in your mouth, but paraphrasing a little bit. Yeah. You focus and vision. And I know in my own client base, I have a lot of people coming to me to just like fix a certain problem in isolation. How do you think about that when you have people who come to you with their eyes on like one specific thing to get done when you see that there's more to it than that? What does that conversation look like? So I think a lot about the education portion on the first day when patients are coming in and meeting the staff and meeting myself, trying to take some time to educate around, we call it the three T's. We say traumas, thoughts, and toxins, but like those will all impact the eight different categories of health, right? We identify that as energy, emotional, social, mental, all of these different areas of health are going to be impacted by these three things. And so trying to bridge that, you know, a lot of times insomnia, people think, oh, I'm just anxious. Well, that stress is causing you to not sleep. And that sleep time is your body's recovery time. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not sleeping, then of course you're in a chronic state of tension and knots and that's contributing to your upper back pain. And so to address this physical ailment that you're presenting with, we need to also address the sleep and the sleep pattern. And so trying to make that connection for them by education and presenting it in that way or having the conversation is probably how we try to accomplish that task here. That makes sense. I know very little technically about the practice of like chiropractic practice, but I'm super excited about everything that you just said. Mind like briefly running us through those three T's? Like, can you describe? Yeah, our nervous. So I've, the three T's are toxins. So things that we eat, what we're putting in our body, whether it's, you know, a glass of wine or whether it's your electrolyte water, like that doesn't have toxins, but you know, we want to make sure that we're talking about what we're putting in our bodies. That's an active choice. And sometimes you forget when you do have a cup of coffee, you need to hydrate again after that. So it can leave your body in more of a dehydrated or tense state, which then creates muscle aches and pains, less likely to recover, low on collagen. So you're just a little bit more prone to injury. The thoughts portion, that's going to be the mental component. So a lot of times we carry tension in our body. Some people carry it in their jaws. Some people carry it in their low back and their shoulders is a common spot we see or cracking your knuckles, bouncing your leg. Like We'll see tension, mental tension or emotional tension kind of build up in our bodies and making sure that we're explaining, you know, when you are clenching your teeth because you're tense, that's going to strain these neck muscles. It's going to affect the pain that you're having, maybe even cause some suboccipital headaches, like headaches that can stem from here and kind of transpire up. People come in, it's so interesting. The key component in meeting someone where they're at has made our practice so much more successful in treating patients because you may come in and say, hey, I got zero stress. That's great to hear, but, and they may use the word stress for something else like so oh let's see let's use the word pain you know are you having pain no I'm not having pain but I do have stiffness you know I get some numbness and tingling and so you start to realize that the language sometimes we use to communicate mm-hmm. can be still be varying I guess to some degrees and so just trying to connect with patients to a common language where you may not realize that that might be stress in a form that you're holding in your jaw and it, 
contributing to your back or pain can be numbness and tingling. It doesn't have to be a sharp stabbing pain to be pain. Pain doesn't have to be debilitating to be considered pain, you know? And so I think establishing that common language or even recognizing where patients are at with that and being able to relay the info back to them in a way that they're like, oh, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. The third T, trauma, micro traumas. So whether it's macro trauma, sometimes people are like, oh, I haven't been in any car accidents. Well, like, I'm fine. And it's fine. I'm great that you're not in car accidents. But what's more impactful are probably the three things that we all do, which is sleeping, sitting, and driving. Like those are periods of times that we're spending repetitively in almost daily. And so to me, I think the impact of me sleeping on my stomach for 35 years of my life versus one car accident is going to be a lot more impactful in the long term. So just kind of even explaining trauma to patients, physically, emotional trauma again ties back to the, the thoughts. And so, yeah, kind of just breaking it down in that variation for people to understand. So does it work with somebody then, do you make recommendations in all of these areas then? Like what is the impact that you hope to achieve with a client? What is, yeah. yeah. Again, I'm learning so much here about, about yeah. this. If I were to come in to your office for a session, would I come away with like recommendations for those three different things? Would it touch all these areas of my life? So you come in and your main, you know, to use an example from this morning, patients feeling foggy, has a lot of headaches, neck pain. The whole history component of that revealed that she had, she's been on steroids for a long time and due to some physical trauma that she had from giving birth to her daughter. And so we kind of talk about all that and that physical trauma is something that leaves her anxious and, Mm -hmm. you know, is something that she's kind of building and getting over, but the physical ailment is still there of feeling groggy, feeling exhausted due to weaning herself off of these steroids. So, you know, the first conversation really helps me to understand how the subluxation or the pain is there. And then the second visit when she comes back and we sit down and I've had a chance to look at her films, we'll talk about a game plan and we'll talk about this is what's going on physically. Let's treat this. We'll also be talking about a nutritional consult. So we do offer supplements to meet them where, you know, where her body's showing signs of withdrawal from a steroid. And so I, we do try to target the different areas. It may not all happen on the first visit, but it is something we talk about throughout their care. Yeah. Cool. The holism that you work with here, how does that translate into your own life outside of the office? It's interesting. So for me personally, it translates because it keeps me motivated. It holds me accountable. I feel like, like today I didn't work out and I just felt like, oh my God, like what a weird day. This like energy that I just had just feels strange. So I think for me, the holism transpires as as I see it in patients, because you see people presenting with so many different things, yeah. it holds me accountable in the why I need to do this for me now. I myself have scoliosis. And so when I see patients come in with that, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to be doing this. Like, mm-hmm. And patients will ask, do you get adjusted? You, you get to see so many patients a day and you're doing this repetitively. And yeah, if I don't, I had a really bad incident in December where I threw my back out. It's interesting because it, the patients, in a, in a sense, hold me accountable to make sure that I'm getting the care because if I don't, I get to see all the things that can transpire that can happen. So taking care of like supplements, exercise and adjustments are probably, I need to work better on the mental component. That's the goal of this 2020. And so, yeah. 
For sure. And I felt like when I have seen other people either have negative or positive experiences, it makes me take a step back and assess my own situation. And I'm like, okay, what do I want to transpire in my life? Okay, yeah. cool. How can I then go in the direction of health? How can I feel good? Mm-hmm. You mentioned a little bit about meeting people where they're at and, mm-hmm. and how how the approach is really important because some people who think they aren't in pain are actually sometimes really in pain and they just normalize it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a really important topic that I've seen in kind of health posts of people that like doctors and, and nutritionists and people that I follow on Instagram is we've normalized feeling bad, right? So a part of my efforts and inspiration is to inspire people to feel good. We're not meant to be in chronic pain. We're not meant to be in, we're not meant to be on pills and Mm -hmm. thank God for modern medicine. Like if we need to like, Mm -hmm. like get an amputated arm because something wrong is happening, like to save our lives, like that's amazing. How can we live a life that's preventative versus, Oh, let's just fix the opposite of that is always, or putting out fires, you're like, oh, I have a tension headache. Okay, well, I got to fix that because I didn't even take care of it beforehand. Now it's to the point where I have tension headaches. Like I struggled with tension headaches too. And because I was overusing my shoulder too much and my, and my bicep mm-hmm. and like made all this. Really- yeah, yeah. And I just got dry needling. And, but it was in my, my ignorance slash ego like my ego said like well i don't need dry needling or i don't need this because i can like get over it myself but then when i dry needled like my pain went from seven to one and i was like wow everyday seven my everyday seven and a lot of people get scared of dry needling because they're like oh well it's painful i'm like and my physical therapist she was like who's in this conversation series she was like well did it hurt i'm like honestly compared to the normal pain that i have it didn't hurt because I've kind of built up this tolerance to a crazy pain all the time. So I just think that's really yeah. beautiful and really important. That I think a lot of people just don't really know how to, to normalize feeling good. And that's mm-hmm. why this course is like my, you know, project is because I want people to normalize feeling good. How do you feel good in your life? What routines do you do as, you know, a doctor, as a, as a woman, as a human mm-hmm. to like truly feel good in your life? This has been more recent that I've kind of done these things in my personal life and work life. You know, a lot of my work life techniques, because I have a like a practice coach and a life, I call him my life coach from my workplace. I can easily apply that to my personal life. So one of the things we do is gratitude, right? So I have a gratitude journal starting my day with just three thoughts. A lot of times people do it at the end of the day, which I've tried both and I love them. I think they're, depending on the day, they can both work really well. So gratitude journal just keeps me inspired. I love that method. Um, The other thing is acknowledgements, like acknowledging people in your life. I think it's something we don't do enough of. And there's so much good to be felt when you recognize the people that have helped you in your day-to-day. So at work, we all have a meeting in the morning and a meeting at the end of the day, the four of us. And we'll talk about, you know, what did we do well? What did I do well? What did you do well? You know, we'll still talk about where is there room for growth? So we call it the grows and glows. And even just doing that with my sister or my husband and just like acknowledging them and saying, hey, thanks for sending me that quote today. Like my sister will send me something yesterday because she knows I I had some thoughts on my mind. And it's like, just when you appreciate someone in your life, it also just makes you feel good instead of the usual like complaining about people or complaining about what has us down. It's like, try the opposite and appreciate 
So I think those two methods have been really helpful in feeling good and feeling, and people are like, what, what do you take? Like, pay, I'm always up in the office, energy is up and it genuinely is coming from inside. Like, yeah, it's just, it's fun. You're just in a good place and that comes across to patients. So it's fun. Totally. That's wonderful. Was this, so how long have you been at the practice where you're at? I've been here since 2015, so five years. Okay. Was the, the energy, like the grows and glows thing, was that, did that predate you or did you bring that in or? I brought that in when I was doing my yoga teacher training. That was something we did as a group. And so probably for two years now, and it's just been fun to have that part in our office because there's always room for growth. There's always room for growth and there's always room to acknowledge where your growth is now. So just a nice way to know that the progress, I think that whole like perfection thing is just so silly and progress is more realistic. Progress should be more normalized. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trying to aim to be perfect and it's like, no, it's not perfect. It's progress. Where is your progress right now? I would say probably I'm just thinking in different avenues of life. So like personal life, social life, work life, I'd say I'm probably about 80%. I could always do things better, follow protocols better. <laughs> I could be more social, make more effort, things like that. So I guess that as far as progress, there's always room for growth, but I'm not disappointed in the progress that I've made this oh, far. Cheers. Let me, <laughs> let me repeat the question because I wasn't asking you to rate yourself. I was curious oh. about where are you progressing? Like what's something that is developing Ooh. for you right now? Like where, Ooh, where is that occurring? So I mentioned the self-care part and mental health. I want to do more of that. Abe, you mentioned things like, why is it normalized to do preventative measures now? One of the things me and my sister-in-law were talking about was why do we wait till we're on like the brink of losing our mental and emotional well-being before we seek out a therapist? One of the things that I'd like to continue to progress is in my mental health and I want to find a psychiatrist or a therapist. I don't really can't say that I know the difference that well between the two, but I want to do something like that now so that where I feel like I'm my happiest, I'm my best and have that. Why wait till it's bad to make it good? Why can't I celebrate the good and do that? So I think that's one of the theories of progress that I'm trying to grow in. Cool. That makes so much sense. Having, I've called them brain coaches in the past. Like we've got trainers to help us out with our bodies, but yeah, so much happened. Like it's one of the three T's, right? Thoughts. So much happens there. Yeah. So much sense. Absolutely. I think, I think like you build your business, you build your relationship, you build a family and you don't build those from like a bad place, hopefully. Right. And, and, you right. Keep building, and building and making mm -hmm. a great family, a relationship. Like why wouldn't you do that with yourself and, sure. you know, increase the, increase the health of yourself, like versus yes. going there when you're trying to put out a fire. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you see your thoughts or maybe your client's thoughts like affect the body, if any? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I would say just seeing that even with like myself, you have to want the help. It's something that I guess when I'm working with patients or even just like working with friends or chatting with friends, family, your outlook on what you want for yourself is such a big driving force because if somebody else could want it for you like if I can want it for the patient but it's not going to get them the results until they're on board with it so I think your mind space your head space and that's why meeting a patient where they're at is more 
feasible to get them where they want to get to versus like my recommendation. I can recommend whatever, you know, I think works the best or whatever research shows, but it's not going to be successful for you until you're on board, until your like mind is open to it. Sure. So for folks who, I'm trying to think of how to ask this question. So there's a broad spectrum of like, how bad do you want it? And what do you actually want? Mm -hmm. Have you seen that spectrum? Like people who are ready and actually wanting the growth and people who aren't quite there yet? Is that a thing that you observe? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. How do you work with that? I suppose, like, are there, are there folks who show up who, who say they want it, but don't actually, and then like, it's a terrible experience for them because they never wanted in the first place. Then there are folks who are on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Yeah, it's usually um, a conversation on the first day and I'll ask someone, I'll say, you know, what brought you in? What are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? Because what I'm going to do next is I'm going to establish a care plan that gets that taken, like addresses that. And is that's, and so when they share what they're looking for, I just wanted to be here to see what my spine looks like. Something I've been thinking about and I wanted to do. So depending on like the conversation and where they're at on that page, or on that day, then we'll kind of guide them and say, you know, then maybe this for you right now, let's take those x-rays and answer your curiosity. But we can always come around to this maybe in three months when you're ready or two months when you're ready, we can revisit this. Because I, like, I am a big proponent of you got to want it for yourself. Otherwise, you're not going to do the stuff it takes outside of the office to get you where you need to be and then mm-hmm. I don't want to waste your time I don't want to waste your money I don't you know I don't I don't want this to be a bad experience until you're ready for it so we do have those scenarios and having that honest authentic conversation on what their intention is and what I'm here to support them in helps that a lot and then you know there's always the people that oh I thought I wanted this and now I don't want this or it's their third adjustment and their pain of five years hasn't gone away and so you'll run into that And honestly, the best way I think that has helped is just educating them on, okay, let's talk about where this might be coming from. Let's try a different avenue. Offering them different tools also can be something that helps like offering massage or doing acupuncture or getting them over to an orthopedist or communicating with their primary and like having a conversation so that they know that this new person, me being part of their healthcare team, like I'm working with your, I'm happy to work with the other healthcare physicians because I think we're one tool, like I'm one tool in the tool of many health resources that can bundle together and get you a better you. And that's kind of the philosophy here too, is my job is to make sure that you're like living your best you. Um, That doesn't just stop here. It can be multiple avenues and tools to do that. For sure. That makes sense. I really appreciate that, that concept of like, mm-hmm. rec- like the, the open authenticity, the authentic conversation that you're talking about, recognizing when somebody's ready for something, whether or not. And then, yeah, I could see how that would be really, really valuable to have that be the precedent, like not only to facilitate a relationship going forward, but to decide mm-hmm. whether the relationship is even right in the first place. That's, that sounds huge. Yeah. I'm curious, like what part, is there one specific part or is there, or was there a moment or something that feels particularly good to you in your practice? Like there, is there a specific client? like achievement that really lights you up or we see it and hear it so it's so fun so we have a couple different things by a certain visit I'm doing a check-in with you my staff is doing a check-in with you and we're able to compare like what function deficits you weren't able to do then and do now 
and we talk about that at the table and patients will, it's so cool because they'll see it, but like, oh yeah, I remember I couldn't go upstairs or, you know, I wasn't sleeping. And so I was really cranky with my kids in the morning and different areas of their life mm-hmm. that we track because we'll track emotional energy, we'll track like, you know, how'd you sleep and all that through different medical questionnaires. So that's really fun. We do little check-ins where we get to celebrate them and see their progress. We also have a Now I Can board. So when you come in and there's something you want to share or like tell others about that you've been able to accomplish, um, you write it on a sticky note and you put it on the post-it board. So it's really fun. And every time it's right by the entrance. So when we're leaving for the end of the day or coming into the office, it's to my left and you just look at it and you're like, oh yeah, like that's why I'm here. Like now Abe can run and run three miles without pain or Janelle can carry her granddaughter. Like there's so many fun things that people post. It's so fun when they can actually list an action that they can do now instead of like, I no longer have back pain. Like, that's great. That's awesome. I'm glad you don't. But what is that equal for you? Like, what is this back pain? What's the greater action that it's allowing you to do and that's why we're here like I want you to be able to play with your kids let's make that happen and let's let's take care of the back pain on the way but let's make sure that your knees and you want to lift the kids you want to play baseball like let's make that fun part happen and that's where I think the magic you see people get excited I love that that's That's so beautiful awesome yeah because we're here to feel good and it's not just about the back pain it's why don't I want back pain so I can enjoy yes. my life so I can feel good so I can I can live this life well right yeah, and I think yeah. that, get the shit out of the way so we can actually live well because and you're yeah. right you're never done and, and the part of my journey is to be your better self right like because or your best self at a given moment right because the next yeah. best self is going to come and the next best self so I have just a couple more questions to end off yeah. how do people continue once they start ready to change their life maybe the things that they have tried hasn't worked and they're kind of at a standstill the door is open they're ready and there are a million ways to live life right and we know that right you got to meet people where they're at i often see and i've often in myself have been tempted to give up on steps three to ten right so you start you have momentum and then like step five becomes boring and mundane Mm-hmm. How do you encourage in your mind, how does one continue on the path of self-development and, and betterment? Yeah, I think that's going to be purpose, like getting an idea of what your purpose is and tying it to that. So if I know that your purpose is to be amazing at, in my workout classes, or I know that that, that purpose isn't going to get boring and that purpose is truly what you're passionate about, then you're going to want the motivation will be there. It may not be 100% motivation because we're human. We're allowed to feel motivated and unmotivated. And I think if we know, if you know your why, then that gives you your purpose and why you're doing it, why you want to be consistent. Like it's not always fun to work out by the end of the week, you're a little bit tired and, but it's like, Oh yeah, why do I do this? Oh yeah. So I feel amazing tomorrow. Let's get this going. Um, So I think just knowing the why and knowing your purpose can help you stay accountable or whoever stay accountable. So identifying that would be a key. Yeah, I love that. It's like those, those post notes that eventually end up on the now I can board, like writing those ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's a big proponent of the whole 30, like sticking through it on day 16 when you just want, you know, a glass of wine. What's your why? Why are you getting through the whole 30? You know, and that's what keeps, yeah. and that's helped me for sure. Mm-hmm. What does an empowered Sarah, Dr. Sarah look like? What does it feel like? It'll come across as 
a lot of excitement. It looks like a smile looks like high energy when your schedule is swamped at five o'clock and you're like, you know, when most people are energy is falling, you're excited by the craziness. You're excited by the chaos because you know that that means people are getting better or people are tr like trusting you to get them better. And so sometimes when the chaos of the day, we can quickly be like, oh shit, it's six o'clock. I just want to get home. It's like, oh shit, it's six o'clock and there's still seven people to see. And like, it's their six o'clock as well. They could be home. They could be with their spouses and their kids, but they're choosing to do them. And just like that moment of empowerment is so exciting to be able to have that. Or when someone shares with you, like our common friend, you know, went hiking, took a nice trip and like came back and you know, yeah, I had a little bit of knee pain, but my neck and everything else withheld. And that was the main reason your brakes came in. So it's just, those moments are so empowering. And it's like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this. It's because the purpose came to fruition for a patient and that just keeps you motivated and driven. Mm. And that's what you focus on in order to like feel that empowerment when you might be tired or your motivation might be low. It's remembering, yeah. remembering your why. And it seems like that yeah. well for you and the people in your life. Our final question is what do you know for sure? For certain? Oh, I know for sure that health is a lifestyle and that's kind of where I think I trust the most in like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are we all here? Why should we be preventative? At the end of the day, like we have this body to last us till the end of time and trusting that health is a lifestyle instead of like a fad or a week. Oh, I'm going to cut out carbs for a week. Well, what does that accomplish? Not much. So just knowing that balance is there and a lifestyle of healthy well-being it's something that you can't like not trust. How can you not trust that? Totally. <laughs> we feel it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Isaac, do you have anything? Uh, just that I'm really inspired by the things that you're doing. First of all, I want to learn so much more about your practice, but also the grows and glows and the now I can. <laughs> I'm specifically really excited about those concepts. Totally. <laughs> like it seems exactly the same as the what you were saying about prevention and what we were saying about increasing your health, like celebrating all the good that we've already achieved there and that we're aiming for and having that be a conversation of such positivity that I don't know. That's really, that's really inspiring. Thank you for sharing with us. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This yeah. has been phenomenal. Thank you so much. You're amazing. We'll have your contact info in the video, just in case anyone has any questions about chiropractic work, sending our love. Thank you so much. We've learned a lot from you and our uh, lunch is here. So it's actually, <laughs> thank you Perfect so much, timing. Dr. Sarah. Thank we'll you. talk to you soon. Thank you guys, have a great one. This podcast is the work of Lightword, our company, named for that toward the light direction which informs every single thing we do, including money. Which means, like everything else, the way we earn revenue as a company is not based on industry norms, it's based on what feels deeply right and aligned by passing through the door that feels like it has more behind it, not less. And the way we keep this podcast going is all Lightword, it's pay what feels good. It's an exchange of value between you and us. We're keeping conventional podcast advertising totally out of this. Here's how Pay What Feels Good works. We give you this episode because it feels good to do so. And then you consider, honestly, what number of dollars this episode is genuinely worth to you. I do not care if that's $3, $1,000, or literally $0 and a heart emoji, as long as that trade genuinely makes your day better. The energy there is the entire point, and that is what we're building our business on. 
No advertisers, no selling your attention, just you and us trading value in a way that builds us both up. So whatever the number, when you're done listening, head to empoweredhumanacademy.com and hit the pay what feels good button. We use this policy across our company's work, and I'm excited to bring it here to the world of podcasts. This is us voting for the world we want to see. Y'all, the whole point of everything is to open up ourselves and all the fullness we are made for, and then to create, create, create with everything that is real and true and bright. That's the work of a life. That's what we're working on. And you're here because you feel that for yourself too. And we believe in you completely. Thanks for joining us this round. And hey, for every conversation in this series, including this one, we've assembled a downloadable set of notes, table questions, a journal prompt, and some action steps that you can use to bring the energy and the lessons of this conversation home to your own life. Head to our podcast website, empoweredhumanacademy.com. Hey, thank you for being here. Now get out there and do something that feels exactly like you. We will do the same. And for us, that includes bringing you the next conversation. We cannot wait. Have an awesome, awesome day.